this, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. As always, I am Tyler Kern, and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend himself. It is Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you today, sir? Tyler, I'm doing great, man. Uh, probably more myth than legend, but uh, we'll go with that. Sure. But, um, really excited to get back on with you today and record uh, a super duper podcast. I think we're we're in store for a good one. Uh, we've had some good ones lately, but this one uh, this one's going to be right there at the top. I bet you. Absolutely no, I'm I'm thrilled about this episode and can't wait to get started today. We are welcoming on the show Ward Burton. Now he is a former NASCAR driver. He won the 2002 Daytona 500, and now he currently operates the Ward Burton Wildlife Foundation. And we're going to talk about all of those things here on the podcast today. Ward, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today, man? Doing great, Tyler. Appreciate uh, you and uh, Greg reaching out to me. Looking forward to it. Well, Ward, you know we were talking a little bit before. Tyler hit record that uh, I kind of grew up watching you as you were growing up because we're about the same age. And as you were progressing through your NASCAR career, I I guess that's kind of like phase one of your life. You know, you're going through the racing career and that's not something you do when you're 60. Um, But I've, I've often really enjoyed how you handled your sponsorships and how you handled the media uh, you know, I, I grew up in Atlanta, so not too terribly far from you in Virginia and was able to, to go to a couple of races and see you actually race. But I, I've often, uh, you know, I, I always came back to the point where you were a nice guy and you carried yourself well. And, you know, I think that in business and in personal life, you know, that that goes so far of how you treat your your uh, people, your interviewers, your your co-competitors whatever so i just i wanted just to bring that up first because uh you kind of set the a good bar for that and i really appreciate that well thank you for those kind words um the folks in the media whether they were pit road reporters and you know back in them they there was a huge amount of print ad uh different tv networks those those men and women had a job to do too so uh you know, I recognize that, um, and, you know, it's, it's really easy to be kind and available if they want a story about you versus being the other way. So I, I was never aloof on any of that. You know, if, if someone wanted an interview like we're doing right now, I always took time to do it because one, you know, you might be able to get a good message out, like in racing about your team or, or your partners or individuals or something else, a cause or something you might be interested in. So, you know, we all, we all work together on those kind of things. Well, I, I, I'm looking at your hat, and I see you have a state water heater hat on. <laughs> yeah. And I know that uh, that's been a long-time affiliation for you, uh, and now that's carried on to your son and when uh, Jeb and – you know, when I reached out to you, I, I told you I was enjoying watching his progression, and I know that you've been a big part of that and keeping that familial tie. But not only from from the racing aspect, but I I listen to him when he's being interviewed, and I, I love when he and Pat Patterson get on together and talk, and they always both talk about state water heaters, oh. and um. How how are you able to to help him and his career as 
are, are you teaching him the craft of handling the media, the the people, the how do, how does that flow for you guys? Man, it's it's been a a real a real struggle uh, finding opportunities for Jeb. Jeb is in the best situation right now that he's ever been, but it has not been an easy road. Yeah. You know, 2013, he was full-time uh, in the truck series with uh, with Mr. Turner, and then it turned to Turner Scott. And, I mean, he got seven poles in 21 races, won a race, finished, I think, fifth in points, led a bunch of laps. Back in my day, the phone would have rang, and it, he would have progressed into another situation where we had a sponsor. Uh, when they left Daytona was the fastest truck, had a sponsor that had some problems, so they reneged on their uh, commitment. And from that moment on, for the next five-plus years, really seven years, it had been one struggle after another. Uh, and, it, and the reason being is there's not as many car owners as there used to be with sponsors. Right. It's looking for a talent and someone to represent them and their partners. So, so a lot of it was bringing funding to a team for the opportunity to race, make a living race. And that's pretty much the dynamics of the, uh, of NASCAR now. Now there are some exceptions, but they're not as many. Yeah. And if it was like that when I was racing back in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, uh, Heck, I would have never left South Boston Speedway, yeah. for that matter. So, so teaching Jeb how to handle himself, uh, I, you know, we've had conversations, obviously, like any dad would with a child about whatever, whatever he's doing. But, you know, hey, I, I had a bunch of great role models growing up from my parents, grandparents, and others. You treat others the way you want to be treated. You don't have any unspoken motives. And you're honest. Yeah. And those, those three things make someone have an integrity. And, and I would just very simply say you live by the code and you don't vary from it. Yeah. And, and I have taught Jeb and all my children that. So, uh, you know, I don't have any patience for laziness. That's the one virtue that I just cannot be around. And none of my kids are lazy. So Jeb. When it comes to, I'm proud of all of my children, but when it comes to Jeb and motorsports, he's worked his butt off. Well, it, it's it's showing, you know, the results are, are they, they speak for themselves. And when you get in good equipment, you can really showcase that talent. And then, you know, tying that back to your sponsor to be a good spokesperson for that company. Uh, you know, I, I think back on when uh, Tyler, uh, Tiger Woods had his problems. How quickly those those lucrative contracts and sponsorships they just go away. So when you impugn yourself, uh, you know it, it gets ugly in a hurry, as 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 Mister Woods found out. Well, you know you always that that's a you know when it comes to personal endorsements and what Tiger was doing versus playing golf, he really didn't need any sponsors to play golf, right? Well, you have to have partners and sponsors to race, period. I mean, there's a few team owners that have an exception, but not many. But, uh, you know, like with state water heaters and all of Jeff's partners, you know, we've been with state since 07. 
and uh, I did a bunch of stuff off the track for them, and it kind of has led into a relationship with Jeb. But, uh, you know, you always do more than what a contract says. You're always available. You're always trying to find, particularly in today's world, B2B opportunities. And Jeb has really gotten good at that. I mean, you know, whether it's, uh, well, pretty much all of his partners, there's, a, there's always an, a partnership looming. And like Alsco was sponsoring the race this weekend, well, Alsco will be on Jeb's car. Alsco makes uniforms, first aid kits, sheeting, all kind of stuff from, from restaurants, hospitals and uh for uniforms all over the place and Jeb had put a bunch of B2B to together with that. And so that helps Alsco and, and be honest with you, they have told me that Jeb has brought more business opportunities for them than any of their other um uh, motorsports person motorsports relationships, if you will. So I mean that's that's what Jeb wants to do. Now Jeb has to flourish and work on other things at the same time but it's it's not just going and hopping in a race car and a billboard going around a racetrack that's not enough anymore yeah so it's it's it's, uh it's full time is always trying to find more opportunities and build a new relationship well you know that that's spot on to a conversation i had yesterday with a with a friend of mine he's trying to figure out how to get some exposure on a certain product that he's got. And, you know, we were talking about ways to grow that. And the best way to do that is to find opportunities for your partners, you know, help somebody give, give to get, so to speak, you know, bring them something worthwhile, show your value, and then it'll come back around eventually. And it sounds like uh, that that's worked well. And Alsco in my brain, to see how good I am at branding, it seems like they're green with a triangle. Is that is that the right brand? Yes, sir. They got a truck and it's white and it's green stripe. Yeah. It. Okay. They, they're they're a great company. Uh, they're out of Utah, but uh, yeah, they are a great great company. And I mean, we've just had a uh, well, we've made friends. You know. Yeah. I had someone real close to me tell me years ago family member that uh you know the difference between me and you is i can separate it's a business relationship and friendship and i i'll be honest with you i never could i can't either you know, i really can't and, and you know whether it's family friends or whatever people you care about it's really easy to uh to want to make them proud to to help make them successful because you know look at the end of the day if you're if your partners in your relationship, your friends, your family, your business acquaintance, if they're successful, everybody's winning. Yeah. And it doesn't make a hoot who gets the credit for it. That's that's not what it's about. It's being yeah. a team player. Well, there's a, a famous quote, I can't remember who said it, but it said it's amazing what you can get done if you don't care who gets the credit. And oh, yeah, yeah. Look. White, e- we all got egos, right? We all, some are a hell of a lot larger than others. The ego is the least important thing. It yeah. does not, re- <laughs> it does not matter a who, a who gets credit for a success. Well, I, I'm certainly, uh, 
and I, I won't say I'm guilty of it because I think it's a benefit for me to, to have my business and my friendships mixed. It's just worked well for me. Uh, the guys that Tyler works for, you know, I've developed a rapport with those guys over the last couple of years. And, you know, yesterday I, I brought them an opportunity, you know, a friend of mine, another guy that needed help. I said, hey, call these guys at market scale and just have a conversation. Now, whether it ever comes to, you know, pass or not, at least there's an opportunity for market scale to showcase themselves in a whole new way that they haven't before with a new with a, a potential new customer. Well, you, you know, the thing, Greg, uh, I'm a firm believer with open conversation and communication. Communication can fix just about everything. Yeah. And if you're having communications, just like with Tyler, hey, you know, you can open doors, you can't close them. But that that's up to Tyler and this other individual. But at least at least you've got them talking and communicating and then who know who knows what'll happen. But you know, we've all we've all learned from past and including me, the older I've gotten, the more I live by the rule. If I think of it three, four, or five times, I'm going to deal with it. Yeah, I don't care if it's my wife or my relationship or whatever. Now, how you deal with it, you might have to give some thought to because sometimes, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes it, things can be, uh, there can be some looming drama or whatever, but what turns into something really small can turn into something really big if you don't communicating up I, I love people that you know where you stand with them and they're going to tell you what you're thinking yeah because if, if everybody did that man it's a lot easier world yeah we wouldn't have to walk around guessing what that smirk on that guy's face meant <laughs> we'd know wouldn't we well the older you get the less you give a damn about it right <laughs> not, not totally totally agree with that as well um well tyler here here you are young man um listening to these these traits and tributes that Ward has had success with, and curious of how uh, this day and age, how what the, the the message that he's bringing us does that resonate with your crowd? You know, I'd like to I'd like to think so. I'd like to hope so. Um, I think it resonates with certain um, certain people of uh, of my generation. I, I, I guess uh, I guess one of the interesting things for me is seeing. Um, my generation grew up a little bit and assume a little bit more responsibility um, more often in our lives as we hit, you know, 30s, mid 30s, that sort of thing, uh, which is which is interesting. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask Ward about was the more that I've learned about racing, the more that I've realized that that it really is a, a team sport in every sense of the word. But in the end, you're you're the guy in the car that that assumes a lot of responsibility. But it is all about the team, right? So how do you foster good teamwork? Uh, amongst your team and, and good relationships with those team members who are so vital to your success, even while acknowledging that that at the end of the day, the buck stops with you because you're the guy behind the wheel. Well, so, you know, it's a good question, Tyler. The, the guy behind the wheel maybe is in the limelight, but he's just one of the components of whether you're successful or not. In particular now, I mean, with all of the technology that's found the sport, the depth of the resources, people resources from where it used to be is 
probably tenfold. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I was running Cup, say, in uh, 94, we didn't have the resources we need by any means. It was seven of us. And there were some part-time people, obviously, doing But, I mean, a lot smaller. But, I mean, now, like, uh, I think, um, you know, there, there's teams out there that's filled in two to four Cup cars that's got hundreds of employees. Yeah. And so it's engineers. But. But it all it goes all the way down from the owner setting the tone and being a leader down to the guy that might be coming in after cleaning the shop. And so, you know, when a when a driver is unsuccessful, man, he feels like he's let himself down. He's let his family down. He's let his team down. He's let his partners down. And then when you have an exciting day, the things that I would always think about is from way back when for all of the individuals and all the different people that sacrificed a lot for me to be able to have that opportunity and to win or have something great happen for you. So at that moment, the guy sitting in the car and all of us probably have a huge amount of gratitude that we need to pay. Can you thank everybody at that moment? No. But, uh, I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, Ward Burton winning or Jeff Burton winning. It's all of us winning because it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a team sport. Just like, uh, just like if you got a basketball team, you know, there's five guys there. You know, sometimes one might be really able to carry them through, but most of the time, most of the time it's those five guys acting like a team that can beat their component. That, that is, uh, man, good, good, good words, good thought. It, you know, racing to me, I've never driven a race car other than the Richard Petty experience at Charlotte, which <laughs> I, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, racing and basketball are two of the the sports that have dynamic coaching because you're getting real time feedback of what's going on at that moment so that you can adjust your game plan. Now you think about football, the guy calls a play and then you go out there and execute the play and you see what happens. Um if, if you're playing basketball, you've got a coach that's right there, you know, 20 feet away from you, and he's saying, Bob, throw the ball to Bill. He's open. So you're getting that dynamic, instantaneous coach. And I think NASCAR racing in general, uh, I was listening to the Monaco race this weekend and uh, talk about precision. Good God. Um but to be able to, to hear your crew chief, the spotter, whomever else you have on your radio, giving you real-time advice, like, okay, maybe the car ahead of you is running a half a lane higher or what have you, move up and try to get, find, you know, two-tenths of a second. I think that's just so dynamic that it, it just thrills me. The, the other thing, and, and Tyler, you mentioned teams, if you think about 40 cars coming out of, you know, 30 shops or what have you, and how many hands touch those cars, and at the end of 500 miles, you have a photo finish. Now, 
how you think about the engineering, the technical specifications, all of that being mass, like Ward said, you know, tenfold what it was a few years back. And it all comes down to a bumper, you know, somebody crossed the finish line after 500 miles and it's that damn close. It just, that blows my mind. I love the precision. Well, you know, it used to be uh, the heroes and the founders of the sport. <laughs> yeah, I was listening. We were at Darlington, you know, the first the first decade or so. You know, people would win a race by 10 laps. Yeah. <laughs> them, them days are gone, man. I mean, you know, there's there's so much more uh, competitive uh, uh, corners that can supply good cars and got good people. So, uh you know, I don't. I don't even think, uh, unless there was a crap bunch of crashes or something. I mean, nobody's gonna win a race in today's time on their own lap, right? <laughs> Much less that many laps. Now, Chocolate Myers, he talks about that a lot on his show, right. and he says, you know, people talk about the good old days. He's like, hell, you can have them. I'll tell you what we got right now, any day. But interesting stuff. So we. I'm curious a little bit uh, in your travels and, and, you know, through your career, going to all these racetracks, meeting all these people and sponsors and fans. And then what what inspired you from that to start the foundation? And I know what I read on your website, uh, the purpose of giving back. And you had some mentors that taught you about caring for the land and taking care of the environment. What 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 kind of drew you toward that? What what got you started on the foundation? Well, I'd been thinking about it uh, for quite some time, and uh, I didn't know anything much about nonprofits, much less how to run one or a five hundred one c. But when I our team won Darlington, we won Darlington in ninety five, the fall race in ninety five. And I had a really good friend of mine who was a lawyer, done a lot of work with me, uh, Bill Watson. He's a judge now. But anyway, after we won that race, man, I, I was getting a lot of exposure. And, uh, you know, so there was it was a bunch of reasons. Uh, the sport was really popular at the time. I went to Bill's office. We'd already had some conversations, but I've been talking to Bill Woodford with the Department of Gainland and Fisheries, had another close friend with U.S. Fish and Wildlife. And when we got ready to pull the trigger, I had listened to all of these older adults, and, you know, they were conservationists as well. And they, since it was the first nonprofit ever created in NASCAR, I was, I was, I didn't have anything to go by. So we called it the Woodburton Wildlife Foundation. Now now there's, you know, about a lot of drivers have got their own foundation. That's what they call it, which is fine. I think a lot of them do some great jobs. But mine was for solely to create a vehicle that I could give back to our natural resources and help, you know, get some youth out in the outdoors and, uh, helping veterans and raise money for land management. And so it started out, man, while I was racing. I mean, we we were we were five oh one C federally recognized, I think it was uh March in ninety six. So hell 
from that moment on, little did I know I was creating another child. I mean, I, it's literally, that's what it is to me. And it has grown uh, tremendously since that time. It's been 20 plus years. So, man, I, I had, uh, not only did I have a racing job, but I had a foundation job. And I was, I was really lucky. You know, I met a gentleman named Tom Inch about 17 years ago. He's been with me that long as an executive director. Uh, we've got some great staff, but I mean, the foundation owns 10,000 acres of land. Uh, we've got a, a huge, uh, veteran outreach component. We manage all that land exclusively for wildlife diversity, which is a lot of forestry work, building wetlands. Uh, we're getting ready to build a facility for veteran landowner youth outreach that the architect actually has in his, uh, his drawer right now. So we'll have a capital fundraising campaign going on through the winter. And then our youth outreach, uh, you know, we got a trailer with a, with a lot of mounted animals and, um, and a great, uh, naturalist that is our outreach coordinator. So. We got, we have a lot going on and I, you know, I work, uh, from dusk to dawn on it when I'm not, uh, doing something with my family and particularly Deb and motorsports. Well, it, it's, uh, uh, very honorable that you did that for those reasons. And, and I hope, you know, continued success on it because, uh, you know, I know a lot of people, like you said, they have foundations, whether they're motorsports people or not. They don't really participate in it. It's just kind of a tax deal for them. Hey, man, my mine and I, I, two things. One, I'll never take a paycheck. It keeps me young because, I mean, I got projects I need to be doing right now. Yeah. And that's like that every day. <laughs> so that keeps that keeps my calluses on my hands. And two, it's a it's a damn pleasure for me. And, uh, honor for me. And it's kind of who I am that I can work on something more important than myself. Cause I'm not benefiting at all. And, and I feel like as a founder, that's the way it ought to be. Yeah. I got, I got to make nobody going to go through what I've gone through to get this foundation where it's at right now. And it's my job to make it as easy as I can on the next leaders that run. Well, that's, that's a, a, very noble way of looking at it. I, I, it's just honorable. That's what it is. And and the work you do with the, the veterans and the, the canine units that, you know, I mean, it's just really cool what you all are. Man, are we, we've been so lucky, Greg. I, I'll be honest with you, you know, there's, there's a military term, blood, sweat, and tears. I think it's from Marine Corps. Man, I've had all three of them equally. I mean, I can remember being at Charlotte one time and this grant fell through and it was just because the gentleman I had hired and me did not know the methodology of a conservation easement. We had, we had gotten the money from, uh, DC. It was sitting there. We're just trying to figure out how to give them what they needed to receive it. We did fix the problem, but I was crying on the way to qualify at Charlotte. So, I mean, that's just one little tidbit, but I mean, it's, hey man, anytime that you, uh, you believe in something, you know, life throws you punches and it's, you know, it's just like talked about Jeb. It's just like raising our children. We want the best for them. Well, this foundation and land doesn't have a voice. We, 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 we as, uh, 
adults can give it a lasting voice, a perpetual voice. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, um, that's kind of what drives me. That's what wakes me up at 4.35 every morning to get going. I hear you, man. Well, it, it's, uh, it's just, it's important. I, I, like you, grew up a lot in the outdoors. I had, I had a dad and a granddad times two that, that were active and we fished and hunted and all that good stuff. And I remember being a young guy, probably 20 years old, joining Quail Unlimited, uh, cause I, I was a bird hunter. And some of the work those guys do to this day is just phenomenal when people can kind of take their concerted effort and make a, make a dent. You know, you, you can take a, a thousand matches and, and you don't have much when they're scattered out, but you can build a house out of it if you bring them all together. So I always, always have enjoyed that watching that piece. Um, so what's on the horizon, uh, with the, you said you're building a facility. Uh, soon to be. What, what's what's going to be the the effort there? What is it going to do? So we we have a conservation model in Halifax County, uh, and we're going to have another veterans event this fall, and that's renting tents and really nice convenience. Uh, call it Porta John, but you know, a real nice one. And uh, we put up a shooting competition, you know, so we rent all these different traps and I'll, we'll, me and another guy will set the range up. Then I've got a lot of great, uh, friends, uh, particularly from the National Guard. We'll set up a 3D archery and then a fishing and, and we'll bring them in, serve them dinner. And it's normally, I mean, lunch, normally about 75 veterans anywhere from current to, uh, Korean War or Vietnam rather. But anyhow, we have a friendly competition break out in three groups. So you can imagine a putting, putting that facility together and the cost of renting all this stuff. I mean, it's, you're looking at somewhere between 15 and 20,000 per day. Right. So, you know, we run a program called Army Compatible Use Buffer for two National Guard bases, one at Fort Pickett, Virginia, and one at Indian Town, uh, Gap at, uh, Pennsylvania. So we're going to build a pavilion that we don't have to rent the tent. We're going to build a five-stand shooting house where we don't have to rent the uh, the shooting equipment. And we're building a permanent 3D archery as well as some axe throwing. And then we've already got a pond. So now we can do more outreach for veterans, landowner, and youth. And our cost is going to be, look, Shotgun shells, water, food, but we can do more and reach more people than having to go piecemeal this all together in Halifax County. So for economic reasons, it makes sense. And then at Fort Pickett, it's a lot more accessible to Richmond, Virginia Beach, uh, where we can reach more of the kind of, uh, heroes that have given so much for our country. So, uh, the Cove is a wonderful place. We have a welcome center there. We've got some housing, so we still keep doing outreach there. But it just makes for, sense for all the right reasons to put up this facility so that we can be more effective and care about the folks that have given so much to all of us. Well, I love that. I've, uh, I'm not a military veteran, but I've come from a family of it, and I'm a huge supporter of the military 
American flag. I mean, that's just what I believe in. Oh, yeah. Uh, for all the right reasons, I believe. There you go, right there. Uh, and um, no, that that's really good stuff. I love to see the, the 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 give back. You know, you've been fortunate in your life to get to do been, a lot of good stuff. Man, and I've I've lived the life of a couple of people. I I have been very fortunate, very lucky, right time, right place. Had a lot of people, including my parents, help me. So. I, I could keep on working to make more money, and that could be my drive every day. Uh, do I need to watch what I'm doing financially and do some of that? Absolutely. But, yeah, it's about giving back. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know, we all, we've all got this little, this little time, and you want to live your life where it's worth remembrance. I love it. I'm a... Uh... I have a passion for helping young people that are starting a business uh, because I have started a business and ran it and sold it. Um, and, you know, you said a while ago is what founders are supposed to do. Well, I, I believe in this thing called the 230 kitchen floor rule. And that means if you haven't laid in the kitchen floor in the fetal position, try to figure out your finances at 230 in the morning, you probably haven't been through a real startup or a real building episode. Say, say, say that again. <laughs> two two thirty Sunday morning kitchen floor rule. You got to if you're not if you haven't been in the fetal position, you may not have been there yet. So, <laughs> so oh, all right. I think I'm following you a little bit now because <laughs> you you just you wake up and you like you just feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. You know, like you did with that grant fell through. Uh, you know, because you're so passionate about it. I've got a, a young guy who I'm trying to coach right now a little bit and just having fun. And, and you know, you get to a point age-wise and, and hopefully maturity-wise and knowledge-wise where you do have a window to give that to somebody else to where they can carry it forward, hoping they give it back to the next generation. So I think that's super what, what you guys are doing. Well, we're, we're very fortunate. Very fortunate. When I when I had the things that happened in the racing where I did not, I just wasn't going to fight the fight anymore because I just didn't know who I could trust. I had a whole other life that was already there. <laughs> it was just waiting for me. So did it bother me? Did I dream about it? Did I think about it? Absolutely. Particularly when I knew I was in my prime. But, man, staying, staying busy and working hard, uh, that's um, that's healing for me. Well, you said that uh, laziness wasn't in the equation, so I'm, no. I, I feel you. I feel you. Um, so, what what do you feel like is uh, on your on your short term horizon? You're gonna have your fundraiser. You're gonna you're gonna be able to get this thing going. Um, what else you got brewing? What, what's what's the next year look like for uh, post COVID? Well, uh, you know. Um We've got a lot of projects going on on land management, so that's that's a constant. Uh, so we're doing some some forestry work right now. Uh, Want to build uh, two impoundments, like some people call them duck impoundments, but they'll be waterfowl impoundments so that we can uh, create some better habitat. Uh, 
you know, we'll we'll get the architectural uh, plans done pretty quick, and then we got to go get building permits, and we'll start this fundraising capital campaign and have quite a bit of time. Obviously, we're not going to want to build it during the winter. Right. So, uh, you know, that'll be a, a spring project. You know, where we're going to be at, it uh, looks like the schools are going to open back up. So with our youth outreach, you know, that's going to the schools and bringing the outdoors to the third, fourth, fifth graders. We think we're going to be able to do a lot more of that since, you know, the virus stopped all that last year, but it's still a little bit in the air because the teachers have, you know, they got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, then with Jeb's racing, uh, you know, I've looked at my calendar here. Let's see, I'm going to Charlotte this weekend. Um, I've got to be at Texas on the 11th and 12th of June, and then uh, at Nashville, 18th, 19th. So helping helping with their customer relationships while Jeb is doing what he's got to do. So I can add a little bit of value and some of the older folks can, uh, you know, they'll remember me. So, you know, I'm always trying to do that. And I got a, I got a kid, uh, that's been in American university and you know what happened. I mean, this past year <laughs> for any kid to be in college, I mean, y'all know what we did. I didn't, I didn't complete college, but I had a damn ball the first couple of years to not to be able to meet friends or live in a dorm. I mean, I'm I'm hoping for my son Ashton and others that uh, they can get back to normal this coming uh, fall. And hell, man, I got Greg. I got two uh, grandchildren for my daughter Sarah, and she just got a new job at the Martin Agency, uh, one of the largest uh, agency that handles handles really really good clients and does their marketing for them. So my wife's doing good from her cancer that she got a few years ago. So. Man, I, I can keep on on. I've got I got a damn full plate. <laughs> well, it, obviously, it keeps you youthful, and it keeps you humble, and it keeps you busy. So, uh, if you uh, if you get those three, that's that's all a good thing. But, um, just really have enjoyed hear, hearing some of this, Ward, and I, I hope that we can help in some small way uh, with your fundraiser. You know, we'd love to stay in touch and try to put the word out. We've got a. Okay. Pretty good following on Twitter and LinkedIn, so we'll do all we can to help on that. Uh, but really appreciate you coming on and spending time with us and educating us a bit. I feel I feel a little bit smarter, uh, which for me is always a good thing because I, I got a long way to go before I get smart. I'm just getting smarter. So <laughs> good good to learn all your uh, all the stuff you got going on. So I can't think of what that song is, Greg, but. Uh... It it says something like, you know, if I think I'm wise, it surely is that I don't know. <laughs> because because we're learning every single day. Yeah. And and you might be the expert or something, I'm not sure. But I know I'm not because there's always something to learn about everything. So man, that's that's why we stay busy and get our heads in, in the game because uh we're trying to become wiser, you know. There you go. Well, I wanted to I want to close out by telling you something I always thought was really funny. Um, and it was I, I can't remember who said this, but hearing your accent being from Virginia and hearing your brother, Jeff, who doesn't have as much accent, 
somebody asked Jeff one time, uh, <laughs> yeah. how come you had the difference? And he said, you grew up on the south end of the house. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> I love that quote. That was that was a good one. But uh, he Ty- came up with it. I'll take it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, Tyler, you want to wrap it up for us, buddy? I will wrap it up for us. Uh, that line that, uh, that 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 he was trying to come up with is from Kansas. And if I claim to be a wise man, well, That's it surely right. means that I don't know. Thank uh, you, Tyler. Hey, man, I'm glad you're following some of uh, old rock and roll guys. There we go. There we go. That was on in my dad's car a lot growing up. So well, I that was really yeah. that was right in our sweet spot. Our years. There we go. <laughs> There we go. So we'll wrap it up with some Kansas today. Uh, Ward, thank you again so much for joining us here on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you all. Stay in touch. We absolutely will. And Greg, uh, thank you again for uh, another fantastic episode, man. And uh, we'll do uh, some more here in the future. Well, we really look forward to it. And uh, uh, like you said, Ward, really appreciate you taking time to join us. And and we'll do our part to try to get you some... I mean, we only have 26 million listeners, so we'll try our best to get you out there in the public. Wow. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Uh, you're doing great, but you, you've gotten in the 21st century a whole lot better than I have. Well, I got Tyler. That's what I got. So. Oh, man. Well, guys, uh, thank you once again for, for joining us. And everybody, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. Like I mentioned before, we'll be back soon with more episodes. But until then, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or go visit gregcrumpton.com to stay up to date with the latest. And we'll talk to you again soon.